Hello, I'm Corey Stroman. Welcome to the Rochester Rising podcast, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs in Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today to learn more about small business and the culture of entrepreneurship in Rochester. We hope that you learned something today from a local entrepreneur that can help you with your own journey. Rochester Rising is part of Collider, a Rochester-based nonprofit that activates, connects, and empowers early-stage entrepreneurs in our community. You can learn more about Collider and how our organization can help accelerate and assist your entrepreneurial journey at collider.mn. We release a podcast episode the second Wednesday of each month here at Rochester Rising, which you can find on the Collider website or wherever you best like to listen to your podcasts, including on YouTube. We also have many articles and videos that we have created over the years telling the stories of both new and very experienced business owners. You can find all of that content on our website. We launched Rochester Rising in 2016 to tell stories of entrepreneurship taking place within the city of Rochester, especially stories that otherwise would not have been told, and to take the time to understand each entrepreneur and what their experience has been like in this community. If you find value in this podcast, please consider donating, if you can, to our tip jar so that we can keep telling these stories for the community. We use the local business for giving for our fundraising efforts. You can find more information about our tip jar and how to donate through for giving in our show notes. We are on our 253rd episode, and today we will chat with local business owner William Forsman, who shares ownership of one of Rochester's favorite coffee shops, Cafe Steam, as well as their sister company and coffee roastery, Colorway Coffee. Thank you for being here today. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we jump into the business side of things, tell me a little bit about you. What yeah. are your interests and hobbies outside of Cafe Steam and Colorway? So full description, um, um, my name is Will Forsman. I am co-owner of Cafe Steam as well as our uh, sister company, Colorway Coffee Roasters. Um, in addition to um, coffee... Uh, consuming most of my life. I also do some um, photography, um, combination uh, editorial, working with the Med City Beat on some of their partnered content and any sort of um, breaking news that I'm able to schedule myself for. Um, And then just different side gigs and grad parties and... um, Well, I shouldn't say grad parties. uh, Graduation photos, headshots, you name it. Um, But... The primary is um, is Cafe Steam on the side. Outside of that capacity, I enjoy um, fishing and uh, spending some time outdoors, um, namely fly fishing as some a passion or uh, hobby that I picked up in the last five or six years that um, is just a great way to get away from um, the city and kind of spend more time out in nature. Awesome. Uh, so what brought you into working within Rochester and what keeps you here? Yeah. Um, so I am originally from Eota, Minnesota, so that's only about 12 miles uh, east of here. Um, Rochester has always been kind of the big city. Um, our town is um, relative to Rochester, very small. I think only at, at the time it was 2,000, a couple thousand people. Um, my graduating class was um, very small. I think in, in total we had... 45 people graduating at the same time. Now, I think there was a little bit of differentiation between those that were doing some PSEO and those who were um, 
continuing their education there. But um, at that point, I went to Fargo to pursue a higher education, unfortunately. Um, some of my um, pursuits were less or were uh, extracurricular, and I think I, it pulled me away from um, the actual education um, component of going to college. And at some at some point, I realized it was just kind of a waste of my time and my parents' money. And I think uh, at that at that time, decided to leave school um, and pursue a career in music. Um, much like any any person with a lot of time on their hands, they. Um, but I was truly passionate about um, performing music. I uh, drumming in a local two-piece blues rock band, and we toured throughout Minnesota and the Midwest. And one of our, or my guitarist, had a solo acoustic um, sets that he would do at the coffee shop that existed prior to Cafe Steam called Press. And I just thought it was the coolest spot. Um, this place that was welcoming of arts and and was, seemed to be the center of the city and um, where all the cool people hung out. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to get a job there? So I asked the owner at the time, and uh, yes, they, they were hiring, but they only had a position open for somebody to wash dishes on like the weekends and um, whatever hours were available throughout the week. And I think at most I was working 12 or 13 hours a week, so it really wasn't all that much. And But... I developed a passion for coffee and talking to people and um, sort of grew into myself there um, and leveled up and was a barista. And then in that transition from press to cafe steam, was able to um, move into a management position and then eventually an ownership position. And from there, um, we've grown the company to three locations in downtown Rochester and um, at the beginning of uh, last year, purchased a company um, for uh, to roast coffee and and distribute for each of our locations, and then pick up some wholesale partners in Rochester under the name Colorway Coffee Roasters. And so that's been kind of the new side project, and um, it's been really cool to see it grow and um, change with the people that um, that uh, come into our lives, I guess by extension. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you're working at Cafe Steam and functioning within that management role, what attracted you to the idea of becoming an owner? What what made it go from, as you've said, a head dishwashing gig <laughs> to to wanting to be an owner of Cafe Steam? Um, part of it was having some skin in the game. You wanted to have, I think personally, I wanted a, I, a desire for a greater level of responsibility. Um, and the other part was greater influence over some of those decisions that are being made. I think it also helped me, um, gain a level of confidence and trust in myself and my decisions because so much more, it becomes so much more dependent on your decisions as an owner, um, to determine the outcomes of, of the day, whether it's, you know, making sure drinks are being made on time, whether, whether it's your customer inter- interactions are, are positive um, or your marketing is on point so that you're attracting new customers and keeping your old customers. Um, I, think, I think it was just very attractive to me to have that, that feeling of ownership and that feeling of a level of responsibility. Um, granted, over time, your stress levels definitely increase your... Um, you know, fiscal exposure increases, it's definitely a higher risk, but I didn't really consider those, um, as negatives because I knew it all 
you know, that's kind of what came with the territory that I was entering into. Um, so it, it just overall was very optimistic about, I, I knew what I was doing. I was confident in what I knew and how to change things in such a way that it would benefit the business overall. As you were making all of those transitions from being an employee to being an owner, what were some of the biggest challenges for you in your personal growth and then taking on all of those new responsibilities? Um, <clears throat> personal growth wise, I think just trusting myself and others, um, in the corporate world, there is the, the concept of promoting to a level of incompeten- incompetency. Um, so eventually somebody gets to a point where they, they don't know all the answers. And I kind of felt myself um, growing to that level of eventually, you know, I was going to um, get to the point where I was incompetent and not able to um, manage every part of the business or um, know the answer to every problem. Um, so trusting in... Um, you know, management of each location, um, outsourcing some of the um, financial legwork of accounting and, and so on, incredibly um, helpful. Um, but making sure that I was in a position to where I was where I was the most helpful and not actually a detriment to the business and wasn't actually what was holding the business back. Um, outside of that, I think um, just accepting um, that every day is going to, you're going to have to learn something new or be willing to learn new things to accommodate for the needs of the business. Um, if, you're, if you're familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect, we're often most confident about a new skill right when we have it. Um, and over time, as you develop, learn to develop that skill, your confidence slowly kind of goes down. Um, hmm. And um, there's a point at which your confidence level starts to go up, but it's only after you've gained um, what would be called, you know, regarded as an acceptable level, a uh, skill level. So we're often least confident about what we're doing when we're actually in a position to where we know what we're talking about. And so trying to build my confidence back up to say, you know, you don't have some sort of imposter syndrome. I mean, it's not, it's not common for a 28 year old to be, well, and even, you know, when I'd started seven years ago, it's, it's uncommon for a person of my age to be in that position. And a lot of it was luck. A lot of it was just um, seizing the opportunity to be involved. But, um, that's another that's another component of it just kind of at large to be able to find my confidence and trust my decisions and trust people around me yeah in that process you definitely ended up teaching yourself a lot of things I think people would definitely say that you're self-made and self-taught in a lot of aspects of life what would you say is a running list of skills that you've acquired over the last (laughs) seven years that is a great question and unfortunately I think part of the um, uh, trauma of owning a business you block out a lot of the things that you've had to learn by extension but I mean it it includes um, plumbing it includes you know uh, um, gutting espresso machines and reassembling them, um, electrical, um, learning how to do photography that this was actually, um, the whole reason I got into photography was because I wasn't happy with, um, our social media. And so I got it, got a, you know, real starter DSLR camera about seven years ago, you know, uh, seven years ago and, um, started playing around with taking photos and develop and develop that skill to a point where I was able to make it into its own side business. Um, uh, uh, taxes and, um, licensure, working with the city, working with the County, um, developing those contacts, 
Um, but this, this is not all stuff that you learn overnight. It's something that happens after years and years of doing these things and doing them every single day. Um, there is, there is no hyperbole to the fray, to the saying that, you know, small business owners really don't take a day off, but they're doing something that they're so passionate about that it doesn't really feel like work. Um, comparing it to an office environment where, you know, you clock in and you clock out, um, and you're performing your tasks during that time, small business owners aren't necessarily afforded in that, that same fashion because at any moment, you know, from, from 6.30 in the morning to 9 o'clock at night, I could get that phone call where suddenly I've got to, you know, um, change my plans around to accommodate for the needs of the business. Um, other skills, hmm, a little carpentry, sure. There's some labor-intensive <laughs> labor skills. Some graphic design, too, Graphic right? design, yeah. So I, I definitely um, uh, sort of learned a lot about graphic design, but I think I, lear- I, I got myself to a point where I learned that I was not very good at it. So that was another one of those um, uh, promoting myself to a level of incompetency where um, I realized um, I what I wanted was beyond my skill, skill, skill set. And so outsourcing a lot of that. So we work with, um, local, um, groups like tree dome, um, and Maggie Panetta in specific, who does some incredible graphic design for us. Um, and, um, that has been incredibly useful because it takes time that I otherwise would have dedicated to learning something that I really would have taken a lot longer to learn. Um, and, consolidated it to somebody who really knows what they're doing and can take what we need and, and adapt it to um, uh, their their own skill set and produce something that is incredibly helpful to the business. Wonderful. Um, based on my perception, Colorway mm-hmm. Coffee was purchased and launched during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, how did that, where did that brainchild come from? Where did the idea come from? And also what were some of the challenges with starting a new business during a pandemic? The thought had always been in our minds to, um, go into roasting. I think it is responsible of a business to vertically integrate as much as they can, um, to be in control of, um, the means of production and your supply, uh, is important not only to widen the margin associated with, um, each sale, but it also gives you more control over the quality of the product that you're producing. So through roasting, we were able to determine the types of coffee we were serving, um, keep quality assurance high and, um, do so in such a way that fit the needs of each of the locations. Um, the opportunity came up um, at the very end of 2020. Uh, I got a phone call from Chris Williams, who owned um, Narrow Road Coffee Roasters. He said he had some equipment that he was um, uh, hoping to sell and came to take a look at it, saw that there was a whole roastery there. And I was like, kind of the thought uh, came to me that this sort of the perfect setup for us. Um, everything that was there was, uh, or everything that we needed was there. Um, and it made sense. And it was one of those things where it just clicked and it started to, and it was like, this would be the perfect setup for us. So it talked as a, as an ownership group decided, yes, this is something that we wanted to pursue. Um, and we're able to come to an agreement with the, the purchase of that business. One of the tough parts is another thing that I had to learn, which was how to roast coffee. I'd always done so on a very small scale in a little stovetop roaster, and um, which roasting like a pound at a time. Um, 
But now you're taking and scaling it up to doing not just a pound at a time, but doing upwards of 15 pounds at a time and not just 15, not just and 15 pounds in a batch, but you're now you're doing 250 pounds uh, to 300 pounds a week. Um, so doing so that, uh, so that it would produce coffee that actually tasted good, um, was a big challenge, um, uh, because I took everything that I thought I knew and tried to apply it to a larger scale. Didn't necessarily translate. So you end up wasting a lot of coffee and you, you, um, uh, needed to find that perfect transitional point where the quality was matched, um, and ability to, um, say goodbye to your former partnerships with, um, at the time it was Roastery 7, who was incredibly helpful in that transition. Um, but able to say, all right, we're at, at a point where we're comfortable separating. Um, then it came to, you know, stuff that I was familiar with, but you're translating it to a larger, a larger entity. So, um, with regulations going from not just to county public health, but going to larger agencies like the Minnesota Department of Agriculture and the FDA and trying to uh, meet those guidelines and requirements to, which are not all that dissimilar from the county requirements. They're just um, uh, perhaps a little bit trickier because they're more stringent and um, less forgiving. Um, Other challenges... Uh, branding, creating an identity for a company um, is often very difficult because we wanted to, it to be different from Cafe Steam so that we could reach a larger audience um, regionally. Um, and that uh, giving it its own voice and giving its own character is really hard because you're in your mindset, you're familiar with the voice of Cafe Steam. Um, and now we're trying to create a totally different personality um, to it and hopefully we're able to accomplish that over time it does take practice but um, and then now it's sales um, it, 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 it's hard it's hard enough to sell coffee you kind of have to sell yourself and that is where real confidence comes in because you're maybe meeting with people who aren't that interested in buying your coffee and you have to kind of persuade them or you have to present um, reasons for them to want to buy your coffee and um, thankfully it's a product that I'm really excited about and it's something that I'm super passionate about. And, um, we, uh, our, our head roaster Austin has an incredible skill set and, and about 10 years in coffee roasting itself that we're able to, um, draw from and, and huge at Aus- uh, asset finding Austin power who had previously worked, um, in coffee in South Carolina, um, and to be able to use that to, to our benefit and create an environment where um, he feels like he's doing work that he's proud of rather than kind of um, I, while working for us, he's giving more autonomy and, and the freedom of decisions, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I hope that kind of a long-winded answer. for No, no, that's, that's all good. Um, so obviously in Cafe Steam, where else can people find Colorway Coffee in town? Sure. We've got uh, a number of uh, different partnerships. Um, uh, uh, Cafe 49 inside of um, the Olmsted Olmsted Medical Center. We are on the shelves at the People's Food Co-op. We are on the shelves uh, at Dwell Local in Zambroda. Um, We are serving out of Sweet House Bakery. Um, We are uh, on the shelves inside of Flowers by Jerry. Um, and, oh, there are some that I'm missing. We do collaboration beers with, uh, Little Thistle for the legend, and they've got another one, uh, that they're coming out with here for the Bach Fest, um, that we're 
really excited to try. Awesome. Um, but yeah, and, and hoping to continue to grow those partnerships because that's really what is the lifeblood of, of Colorway Coffee. Awesome. Well, switching gears a little bit, I know that your position at Steam and Colorway has granted you some very exciting travel opportunities. Um, so what are some of the places you've gone and have any exciting or scary stories to come from that? <laughs> oh, well, in, in the, in the hopes, in the event that my mother listens to it, we may not, uh, we may only give slightly scary stories, but, um, the, uh, opportunities have come up to visit, um, countries at origin. I traveled with a company called Traboka, which, um, is an import green coffee importer out of the Netherlands, um, through both Ethiopia and Kenya. Um, this was at the very end of, uh, 2019 and coming into 2020. Um, Ethiopia, um, was an incredible experience and the, and the purpose people always ask me, what was it? What's, what's the point of, um, going to countries of origin? I think a lot of roasters try to, um, create a story out of it, right? You know, they're, they're going there because they're trying to connect with the, the green, green coffee or the, um, the farmer and build a relationship and so on. Um, at a baseline, it's a, it's a tourist opportunity. It's a, it's a great opportunity to immerse yourself in a culture and a, um, a country that you otherwise would not have. So, um, on top of that, just really understanding, um, the difficulty in resource acquisition for these farms and um, uh, how hard it is for them to get coffee from the point of origin to um, where it's roasting it gave me a sense of responsibility to to coffee that I think I otherwise wouldn't would not have had, um, and also expanding my understanding of um, how smallholder farmers are bringing their coffee to mills and where. In a lot of people's concepts of coffee, you're thinking of big, massive fields in on um, plantations in Brazil or something like that. But in reality, it's somebody in their backyard is growing coffee and they pick it, and it is a bycrop that they use to supplement income um, in otherwise very uh, economically depressed areas. That are, is incredibly helpful. So any sales that they can make are um, going directly to um, those farmers, and so it, it built on my appreciation for the what is incredibly labor intensive, um, compared to how low of a cost we pay for, um, for the coffee in general. So yeah, hoping to do some more traveling. Um, there's whispers of, of some, uh, times being spent in Peru and Colombia, but nothing's really materialist. I, I anticipate being back in Ethiopia in December, um, working again with that same importing company this time in a photography capacity. Um, cause they enjoyed some of the photos that I'd taken previously, but, um, yeah, just, I, uh, it is a dream come true to be able to actually go from just a, you know, barista and, and dreaming about these places and, and seeing it in magazines and to actually experience it myself. So very thankful to be able to have been able to do so. Yeah, definitely a far leap from dishwashing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you talk a little bit about the changes and challenges that, that came with the pandemic and, and how the community came around cafe steam to support and lift you guys up. Yeah. The much like any business, uh, we encounter, encountered the, the challenges of having to close for a period of time. Um, we did have to, um, one of the large, the biggest outcomes of it was we did have to close a, um, our fourth location that existed with inside of thesis beer project and, um, really cool concept and, and project that we, um, had worked on with them, but we, we understood that the, um, 
the timeline for the reopening and accessibility that would be able to sustain it was far beyond um, what was um, reasonable for for us. So we consolidated all of our, um, our the the equipment there and distributed it to other locations. But um, all told, that was that was probably our, the biggest hit that we took um, uh, throughout each of the locations. Just general decrease in foot traffic, harder to reach customers, so you have to adapt and, and almost bring yourself to customers. So we launched a delivery service where um, we would run weekly deliveries of bottled drinks, so working with the county on an acceptable way to bottle drinks in a, in a safe way that can be refrigerated and um, getting it tested by state laboratories and, and jumping through a bunch of hoops to be able to do so. Um, having to have you know, very difficult conversation with staff to say, you know, suddenly, you know, within a, uh, by tomorrow you're all without of a job and, and trying to then find, you know, some, some, uh, light at the end of the tunnel for yourself, because you know, you're going to be working very long hours by yourself on bar, which was really fun at first. Cause it kind of felt like camping, uh, cause you're uh, pretty much living inside of the coffee shop. Um, but realistically, that work is not going to be enough to meet the overall expenses that are incurred by operating three locations, two of which, which are not in, not operable over time, able to reopen each of the locations, but then you're faced with, well, now people can't sit in, you know, moving to a to-go model. Your margin is much smaller because to-go cups are incredibly expensive. And now you've got supply issues, which also double the cost of any of your, um, any of your ingredients. So coffee, for example, um, Purchasing green coffee and uh, at the end of uh, um, 2020, or to, excuse me, end of 2021 to now, the price of green coffee has doubled and almost tripled in some cases. Wow. Um, and trying to change the perception of how much people should have to pay for a cup of coffee is really difficult. Um, even today, had to kind of have a, a conversation with a customer as to why why is it that a cup of coffee costs three dollars? How can it cost three dollars? I can just get a cup of coffee at Quick Trip for ninety nine cents. And he said, "Well, this is different. This is actually buying coffee from people who are able to support at least a marginally smaller, but a, a better quality of life." Um, but that doesn't necessarily translate. Um, and just overall supply chain issues, lead times on things. So I used to be able to order printed cups and have them show up in two weeks now it is 28 weeks oh my goodness. from the point of ordering and so you can, wild. you can imagine floating twelve thousand dollars and hoping that cups show up within a reasonable amount of time and not seeing them for 28 weeks that's that can be a huge hit on a business that's already more financially exposed than than, than they should be so it's all about just uh managing your cortisol levels and stress levels and um <laughs> yeah just being being able to um, change as, as change requires. Absolutely. Well, we've definitely seen that Cafe Steam can be adaptable and make it through and be around for a lot longer. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what kind of experience are you trying to create at Steam and what are your core community values? Core community, I'll start with core community values. We um, sort of model ourselves off after, um, and <laughs> full disclosure, you used to be a barista. I was for <laughs> so long. And part of your legacy with, with Steam is kind of giving us that inspiration story in a, a clean, well-lighted place, an Ernest Hemingway story of um, an older cafe uh, uh, um, 
employee in a younger cafe employee arguing over whether they should kick an old man out who'd spent way too much time there and bought too few things. Um, the What we hope to embody, and we kind of use that story as an inspiration for um, sort of our operations is that everybody is, is deserving of that third place of that clean, well-lighted place that is neither work nor home. Um, and to embody that, you want to create an environment that is welcoming all of all people, um, is considerate of their needs, is, um, you know, uh, warm and, and just overall inviting. And it, the kicker being, if we can center that around, the love of good coffee and the creation of something that we're really passionate about. It um, emboldens us to continue to do something that we love. And it also invites people to continue to see us. Um, community involvement is also um, an important component to what we do. We enjoy employing folks that have hobbies that are um, outside of the shop, whether it's artistry, music, whether it's uh, community engagement in general, they, volunteer with um, uh, organizations that they're passionate about. We want to provide people the tools with which they can continue to do good for our community and, and um, increase the vibrancy of either the downtown in Rochester as a whole. Yeah, I think that Cafe Steam kind of has a reputation for having people that either before, during, or after are doing or will do something cool. Yeah. So that's a cool to have we get to watch people grow we've got harvard graduates we've got surgeons we've got you know uh traveling world traveling musicians and and world travelers in general and so um while we recognize that as a coffee shop um we may not be people's last stop but we do want to try to be their favorite um or um a place that they look back at least moderately fondly of um but yeah, there, there, it, it's, um, it's cool to be in a position to actually have like, you know, artistic influence and, and whatnot in, in such a small way. But we've seen now over, over time, other businesses cropping up doing, um, similar work and we couldn't be happier to be a part of a community that now is more interested in supporting that, that demographic. Whereas previously it felt like Rochester was somewhat of a vacuum for arts and culture and maybe it existed and we just weren't familiar with it or we are able to provide something back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have any outlooks on your future personally or for the businesses you're involved with? Personally, um, I would love to travel more. Um, there are parts of this business that I would like to fine tune just in my performance, but, um, overall, um, developing the business so that it can be the best version of itself that it can be. It's just kind of a continued goal. Um, people always ask, well, if you, are you going to, you should open a North a, a location in Northwest or you shouldn't open a location. We try not to, um, personally, I, I try not to, you know, think about any sort of empire or anything like that, but we will take on projects as they come to us. And as they see as an opportunity, we try not to put coffee shops in any spaces that aren't asking for them already or are not um, needing them. If, if you have a space that needs a coffee shop to bring people in, that may not be the reason to at a coffee shop. Um, you need a coffee shop because the area demands it, right? Um, so it is just determining what um, what that looks like, and, and as things come up, we'll address them and take on take on new projects if, if they come up. <laughs> <laughs> I read the silliest article the other day that um, someone had written an article as to the effect of, like, the 
most frequent complaints about Rochester. Mm, and one of the things on the list was that there were too many coffee shops. So I'll, I'll, I'll bite into that. There are too many drive-thrus. I could definitely get on, on that. But they always do well. I've never seen a drive-thru right. go down. I think it, I think it is, um, it feeds into sort of that reward center of everyone's brain where it is the low, um, the, um, lowest obstacles possible you get to stay in your car wait in line order through an intercom and it's delivered to you okay sometimes they even have your credit card information on file so that you don't have to go through the process of handing someone your credit card that is not something that we are hoping to contribute to right we want to contribute to environments that are promoting the exchange of ideas and creating spaces where you can meet other folks and um, feed off of the energy of working inside of a coffee shop and having a real conversation with somebody face to face. Um, so I can I can definitely empathize with the complaint that there are too many coffee shops that are uh, drive-throughs. But I think a city of our size is more than able to support independent coffee shops in in increasing amount. Um, you can use um, other cities like Asheville, North Carolina, they've got twice as many coffee shops and half the amount of people, and they're all doing quite well. Um, it's just about making them accessible in such a way that um, people can get to them, are motivated to get to them, and want to participate in um, in, in the community at large. And, and sort of it is kind of the culture of Rochester is somewhat transient because nobody wants to make a huge investment because they may not be spending a lot of time in Rochester, but they know that once they do their two year stint or their residency, they'll be moving on to a, um, a cooler city like Chicago or Minneapolis. <laughs> but one of my challenges there is that, you know, if you can't be somebody in a small town, you, you are very unlikely to be somebody in a big town. Um, True. <laughs> so I, I like, would like to figure out how to be, <laughs> well, maybe not be somebody in a small town, but uh, contribute in, in a small town in such a way that uh, benefits it and before thinking about anything bigger. Absolutely. Well, as a last word, what would you say are some of the most important things that you've learned in owning and running a business and what advice would you give to others? Ooh, uh, I think for, for 99% of people, don't do it. Get out of it. Uh, don't even try it because um, <laughs> it takes it takes a lot right, of work. you're off the podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. But but truly, I mean, it, it, um, it takes uh, far more energy than what you're anticipating. Um, everybody thinks that the building out the business is the hard part. Um, running the business is the hard part. Running the business is the is definitely a hard part. Um, that the the build out and the and the and the sort of uh, concept phase is all that's all the fun part. Enjoy that while you can, um, and and do it right the first time so that you don't not have to fix things later on. Um, boy, I don't know how uh, ethereal we want to get with these recommendations, but <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, the other recommendation I would make is that if you are going to do it, just do it. Jump in head first dedicate yourself to it, be willing to cancel on people or be willing to cancel on personal goals to or set aside personal goals so that the overall uh, health of the business can um, succeed and um, it will reward you. Um, but it's just hard to see it in those moments. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. You having this got conversation. it. <laughs> Thanks so much to Will for sharing his story. You can learn more about Cafe Steam and Colorway Coffee by checking out the links in our show notes. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. 
If you know an entrepreneur who would benefit from the conversation today, please share this podcast with them so they can benefit from the experience of other business owners in the community.